Okay, let's get real. Him and Belichick get together every <laughs> Monday afternoon. Manhandling each other. I'm not expecting it to be that good. So I try know? to smile at them and they just kind of look at me like, why are you smiling at me? I don't think they listen, so it's okay. Yeah, that's true. Put a smile on your face. Bang into each other. You know, what is that? That's a popular game right now, too. So maybe the bullies don't, though. Amen. If we want to be successful, we've got to look like those people. We've got to act like those people. Do whatever I want, right? Don't say muffins. You're making me hungry. Let's spoil now. Enter the squeak fest. So special. I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers. Only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero. I'm a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Dying Show. The leaves are changing. Pumpkin spice is in the air. (coughs) I guess you're not supposed to shake the bag that hard. (coughs) Woo! All right, we have our review of the Joker today. Mm, Just like last week, we'll start with the non-spoilery review and then move into the full spoiler version at the end of the episode. So don't worry, we'll let you know, give you plenty of warning. And also, it's time to get real. Seriously, like, you know, really, really real. Hey, I'm serious. I'm not joking or anything like that. Let's put a smile on that face. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's rock it. Well, happy Friday. Welcome to The Real Brian Show. I am The Real Brian. I am Captain Influence. Doesn't seeing the Joker just kind of make you feel a little more crazy? Makes me feel like letting out my anti-hero yeah. for an episode yeah yeah i think yeah. we're gonna just go yeah. we're, we're just gonna go create no you know what it reminds <laughs> me of is like man thank god i'm i'm a sane person like and yeah yeah uh more or less sort of. right i mean we're all a little bit on the <laughs> we're all a little insane you know what we? though i think normal if someone is normal then you should be worried right isn't that kind of how it goes you know we'll we'll get all into that when oh, we yeah. talk about Joker today, oh, uh, yeah, there's so many wonderful little social commentaries and implications in that movie. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we will, like I said in the beginning, we'll share a non-spoiler version of it so that you can just kind of get in and say, hey, should I see this or not? If you haven't already, I think most yeah. people probably have. And then we'll definitely <laughs> get into the spoiler side. We'll let you know. But we'll do that at the end of the episode again, just like we did with Ad Astra last week. And I also have some stuff to tie in with this one, which I think will be good because we talked about depression recently. I don't know how long ago it's been. It's been, you know, probably a month or two ago now. And this one, I feel like we should cover something else in regards to the depression slash mental health side of things, but from a different perspective, ties into the Joker. It'll be good. But we'll do that before the Joker review, which won't give away any spoilers. So don't worry. Yeah. Hey, yeah. dude, get this. Okay. I, I've I've mentioned on the show before that I'm not the biggest football fan in the world. And part of that has to do with the fact that I don't really know what's going on. You know, they'll, they'll make a call and I'll be like, what, what does that gesture mean? You know, illegal shift. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Uh, offsides. Well, you know, offsides. Why are they talking is, about shotguns? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know what's funny is, so, you know, offsides is them. They take their arms and fists and they swirl them. You know what I'm saying? Like they spin them around. I can't, I can't show you. I'm on audio. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? So offsides Mm -hmm. in football is the exact same gesture as traveling in basketball, which is the exact same gesture as substitution in volleyball. And I'm talking about the referee gesture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The offsides traveling. substitution and I'm like oh my gosh like I guess they do have to keep it kind of simple for these guys because there's there's a lot to learn if you're refing a bunch of things but I'm starting to learn some more of the rules in football which makes the game a little more interesting but I'm telling you man you watch a movie like the water boy or something well I know that's not a real football movie but you know <laughs> that or, or last chance you which is a, a TV show you know we talked about that and they show what maybe 10 to 15 minutes of the actual game it's all the highlights which if you were to watch like ESPN, it's, you know, you get about five to 10 minutes of highlights from the game and that's pretty much it. That's the game right there. And then there's, but if you go to a game, it's three and a half hours and they're just, you know, manhandling each other. (laughs) I love it. I'm throwing the water boy quote out. The the closest thing to gladiatorial games we have, Brian. Let's uh, let's just concussions and injuries, baby all the way. So voluntary, voluntary. Well, true. Voluntary concussions and injuries. I like that. That's right. Amen. So my point is here is that football has never been one of my favorite sports in the world. And part of the other reason there's, I guess there's three reasons why it hasn't is that you go to a football game and you're sitting on a metal bleacher, which by the way, when it's cold, it's like sitting on an ice block and there's no, if you have a sensitive prostate, it's not good for your prostate. (laughs) It's not good for anybody with a bony butt either. I'm going to tell you what, but you you, bring a cushion. You're sitting there and and there's no back either. And so somebody who has, you know, ruptured their disc and had sciatic issues in the past, not a good idea to sit without a backrest. And so about, I don't know, maybe three quarters of the way through the first quarter, you start (laughs) to get in pain. And then by halftime, you're in a lot of pain. By third quarter, you want to just like, just end it, end it right now. I don't, you know, I, I just let me die. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like that's how much pain you're in. So you can't enjoy. Listen, you got a bottle full of the Vicodins you can pop. Well, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, on some of those fans, you know, this is the other thing is that usually you're sitting up with a bunch of fans who are, they're drunk and they're jumping up and down and their beers spilling all over you. And uh, not kidding, by the way, that actually happens a lot. So, I mean, not my favorite kind (laughs) of way to watch sports ever. So maybe that's why I've never been a big fan of football is probably because of some of those memories. Because they the uh, environment. Yeah, I think so. And again, it's three and a half hours that really is could be condensed into about 20 minutes, you know, of actual exciting plays. Each to his own. However, I, however, yeah. let, let me share something here, though. The first time ever we got invited to a suite for the CSU football game. And I've been in suites Wait. before. You know, we went to Nuggets games and Av, Avs games, uh, Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche. Hockey, Mm -hmm. in case you're not from Colorado. Um, So we got to go to games in the suites basically for those. And they were really, really fun. Although I will watch basketball anyway. And hockey too. Hockey is really exciting to me. But going into a suite, you have cushy leather chairs with, or I mean leather, you know, the, the stand seats. They're still, but they're cushy, they're leather, and they're very comfortable. And because, you know, you're outside and it was a night game and it's Colorado in the fall. So it drops massively quick and it's, it was cool but they have little overhead heaters above Mm -hmm. you. So it was warm and they had free food and they had, Oh, by the way, this is another thing about you go to a stadium and the men's bathrooms are not (laughs) nice. I'm just going to say that disgusting. Probably the women's bathrooms too. I think they're a little nicer. You know, the women 
actually, you know, like use the toilet instead of the ground because the men just you don't think? make it. They yeah. they miss, you know, <laughs> people are drunk. Come on. Anyway, up in the suites, though, the bathrooms are very nice. It's like a normal, really nice inside bathroom, you know, and it was just like, this is so much fun. Oh, my gosh. And I actually really enjoyed the game. I mean, CSU got their butts kicked. They played like crap. I mean, horrible. <laughs> this has got to be. In fact, they're worried this will be one of the worst seasons that CSU's had in like 31 years or something. But I didn't care. I was like, this is so much fun. I'm in a suite. Look at this. I'm warm. I'm comfortable. I have food. I'm like, okay, this is the way to watch football. Right. And I enjoyed it. So I thought maybe the environment is what prevents me from enjoying football. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Still didn't know half of what was going on. You know, what is that? That's a, I don't know, staffing you or don't, sh- icing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't need to know. Just watch those. Is this Quidditch? Those guys bang into each other. I know. Pat each other on the butt occasionally if you're, if you're into that. They got to grab them each other uh, on the butt. You know, concuss one another. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all good fun. Yeah. What was interesting though. Fun. I know enough now to know when I go, is that a, that's not a good play. That was a dumb play. And as I'm saying that the crowd reacts in the same way. And I'm like, Hey, I actually know what I'm talking about now. (laughs) That was a bad play. That was dumb, you know? And then you see the really good ones and it was interesting. It's, it's a very interesting game when you're comfortable. Maybe that's why people just sit and watch football and they're lazy boys. That's probably why they don't go to games. I don't know. Anyway, good times, man. So um, I listen to football every weekend. So while I play games, I listen to it. I listen really? to my uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Sweet. Play it. Play horribly every game. And uh, yeah, I don't watch it. But you enjoy it listening. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Man. It is an interesting sport. I mean, granted, I'm all about basketball, which NBA starts uh, in a week or two. Maybe I'm not even entirely sure. And college starts here in just less than a month. So pretty pumped about that. We've been in, I mean, the, the CSU volleyball team, though, is ranked. Let's see. They're either 15th or 16th in the entire nation now, which is amazing. So wow. they're doing phenomenally well. It's fun to watch. Very talented team. Enter the squeak fest. That's right, man. Well, that's that's basketball. Yeah, I know. I was talking yeah, yeah. about basketball. Oh, Sorry. I'm saying volleyball. No, they, they don't. They don't squeak. You just hear them shouting a lot. It's no. awesome. Anyway, this is what I love about being a renaissance person. By the way, it's so funny. I had a conversation just this week with a bunch of different people talking about Renaissance person and all that. And I would say probably three quarters of the people are like, what's a Renaissance person? And I'm like, have you ever heard the term Renaissance man? Like, no. I'm like, wow, really? You've never heard that? I'm like, okay, well, fair enough. I I was shocked though because I've heard it my whole life, you know? I just take it for granted. Yeah. It's something I learned when I was in elementary school, what a Renaissance man was. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I mean, what the Renaissance was. And we talked about it a lot, you know, recently on the show, but I just had to, I had to report in on this one because I thought it was interesting. Okay. So look at this way. Renaissance man or person is uh, similar to what they would call a multi-potentialite, which is something that, you know, was coined recently or a polymath. Although polymath is usually a little bit more on the intellectual side mm-hmm. or well, like scanner, I think is another term. Jack of all trades. Uh, our friend Ben Tastic coined Jack of all interests, which I like that one too. Mm, yeah. So, you know, really what it is, it's very simple. And we've talked about it on the show, but I'm going to talk about it again because apparently people don't know what it is. It's somebody <laughs> who has a multitude of interests that span all over the place. And also but, someone who has a multitude of talents. And so you'll hear the phrase Jack of all trades, but master of none. 
But the truth is, is that someone like this actually is a jack of all trades and can be a master of all if they want. So they could say like, I'm going to learn to play the piano. And if they really wanted to, and they applied themselves, they could become a master at it. And people would be like, wow, you're so talented. And they could be like, I'm going to go learn to paint. Now I'm going to go learn to build right. car engines. And like, they could become a master of whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. I think that to be a true Renaissance person, I think the consensus is you have to not only be interested in a bunch of different things, very disparate things, by the way, but also be very competent or expert at those things. If you choose if to, you, choose to yeah, yeah if you if you act upon them so yeah because you know like you, me i'm interested in a bunch of stuff but i'm not good at hardly anything so <laughs> i'm not i would not yeah. possibly fit into that well that and, and you look at somebody too who says like because i've heard this in fact another friend of ours um kyle by the way hello kyle was saying something about uh and i've heard this too by the way it's like when you know people have called me uh flaky or i jump around too much or maybe i have add or adhd or something like that And I was like, you know, if you're a true Renaissance person, that's the way the world will see you. But there's also a maturity level. So if you're an immature Renaissance person, then you do jump around. You start and never finish. But if you're a mature Renaissance person, then you start and finish. And like you said, if you want to apply yourself to it, then you can become a master at whatever you want. But, you know, there's only so much time, too. So sometimes you get into something and you realize that's not for me. I'll move on to the next thing, which is why when we talk about what are you nerding out on? Well, it's because as a Renaissance person, I'm nerding out on everything. So it's like I'm talking about football here and I'm also nerding out on Magic the Gathering right now, which is completely different. You're not going to see football players playing Magic the Gathering and you're probably not going to see many Magic the Gathering players watching or listening to football. I don't probably. know about that, to be honest. <laughs> Magic is such a pervasive game that there probably are some NFL guys. In fact, quite a few <laughs> NFL guys and you certainly so? college guys. Oh, yeah. Who play Magic either oh, with their surprising. Kids, or most probably with their families or something like that. I doubt that these guys get together and have magic tournaments, but I'd know. be shocked if they're playing magic yeah. with their kids, maybe Pokemon, like their kids are into Pokemon or something like that. But nah, see, that's where I'd be shocked. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, uh, well, maybe we'll, I'd be interested if somebody's like, yeah, I, Oh yeah. You know, uh, the football player from this team plays magic all the time. Okay, cool. There you go. Tom Brady's a magic expert. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Belichick get together every Monday afternoon. And they just nerd out, man. I'll tell you after what. They, after they watch video, they play magic for three hours straight. Oh, that'd be yeah. so funny, dude. Most sports players that I know, if they play video games, it's a sports game. True. Almost or, 95% or, or like of the time or more. Or like no, yeah, not even that. Good. That's what I'm saying. Like most of the sports guys that I follow, uh, especially if they're college players, all they mm-hmm. all they play is sports games. That's it. Oh, okay. They don't play Call of Duty ever. They don't even think about that kind of stuff. Some do, yeah. but not or Fortnite. Most of them. Come on, they play Fortnite too, don't they? I don't know, man. I mean, like I said, maybe a few, but it's kind of funny. But anyway, Magic <laughs> the Gathering, dude. I've enjoyed this a lot. I've had a lot of fun. I do get, you know, booster packs here and there because it's a fun thing to do and trying to put together some decks. And what's been fun though is the reconnection with people like Sith Master J and the Hue and others, you know, playing in person. Because, you know, we game and we game online all the time, but I really miss that face-to-face. We have that opportunity with Magic to be able to play face-to-face. So more than anything, it's kind of rekindled the old old school game nights, you know? Let's go, let's go do dinner together. Let's grab some snacks and let's just play games face-to-face, man. It's been a lot of fun. And I've had fun building decks and stuff. And, you know, it's just been a good time. Dude, get this, though. Talk about luck here. I opened a pack. I pulled a card that is worth approximately $250. 
Really? I'm selling that. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you but know, I, I mean, at some point, it, I will. Maybe it'll be worth more. I don't know. Um, sometimes cards, you know, raise up in price and sometimes they totally tank out. So how did you know it was worth that much? I mean, how oh, I looked it up. You to go? What? Yeah. But what prompted? Did, did you look up all the cards you put? No, like no, all no. The- so you in magic, you have common cards. Then you also right. have uncommon cards, which are the silver ones. Like they have a silver logo on it. And then right. you have the rare cards, which is a gold logo. And then mythics, which have like a orange amber kind of right. color. So it's a mythic. And, and you, you pulled a mythic that is uh, that has the uh, iridescent. What is that? What well, they so call hold that? on. So then there's foils, which is that shiny, <laughs> Foil, yeah. yeah, like almost 3D look. And then there's also what they call borderless or extended art. It's alternate art, but it's borderless, which means that you, every card has a border around it. So this uh-huh. one just goes straight to the end of the card. So it's a borderless extended art mythic with a foil. Wow. And it's worth a lot of money. And so I was, huh. and it might be worth more. I'm not sure, but I just thought, dude, that is, that's incredible. So, I mean, that's should, like, uh, yeah, I want to, you know, sell it, get some money for it and just become kind of like, that's really, good. I mean, I, I could keep it maybe. I don't know. It's, it depends on dude. if the card's going to go up in value or not. Cause some of those cards from earlier editions are worth like tens of thousands of dollars. Now, <laughs> some of them, I was looking those up and I'm like, geez, <laughs> eBay, eBay it with a minimum bid of 250 and see how high it goes. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> but I mean, that's the only card I've ever pulled. That Usually if you get a good mythic card, it might be worth seven to $20, which is still cool because yeah. most cards are worth like 25 cents. But right. still, that's, that. that was exciting. I thought, wow, that's lucky. I'll take oh, it. Good for you, man. Well, that was exciting. It's exciting, right? But it's not common yeah. at all, which is why it's not called a common card. Yeah. Boom. Amen. I'll tell you what, amen, brother. Hey, dude, it's October, right? What's oh, on yeah. your fun to-do list for October? I mean, this is a fun time of year for a lot of people. Fall. Ooh, so much fun. Like, what are you watching? What are you consuming, doing? What you got, man? What you doing? What are you excited well, about? Me, what do you want to do? Uh, uh, what I want to do is just have the windows open in the house, uh, enjoy the fresh air. You know, it's it's a little cool out. It's nice. You know, don't have to have the don't have to have the AC on anymore, and we're not quite to where we have to have the heater on yet. And oh, I drink too much cider. Uh, yeah, cider. My wife's been my wife's been making us mold cider a lot again because we both look forward to that in the fall. And uh, I do want to mention though that this month is the 40th anniversary of 1979's Alien by Ridley Scott. Can you believe that? 40 years, yeah, man. Wow. I can. I was I was three when it came out. And um, apparently a lot of theaters around the country are showing it on limited evenings this month, uh, especially in the next week. Yeah, I think starting so, Sunday, uh, actually. Yeah. So if you're if you're into that, check it out. I, I'm very into it. I just don't know if I'm actually going to bother to go because I can watch it in the comfort of my own home. But it is an event. So I might, I don't know. It's like going to see Monty Python, the Holy Grail in London yeah. with a bunch of Londoners. That was a lot of fun. But so I don't know. Either way, I'm going to watch it because it's been a long time since I've seen Alien and Aliens. Oh, yeah. and I just miss, man, they were so good. They are very good movies. And yeah. I was going to watch them after we played Alien Isolation and I never did. So it's like maybe, maybe October's that's, the year for it. That's because you had enough the of the Alien. You had enough of the Xenomorph after that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it was time to move on. Yeah. Well, that's fun. So I can't think of anything else right now. Uh, I was also looking at uh, what other movies are coming out this month. And, and after the, after Joker, it's, it's a big bunch of crickets. No, no, Gemini men, Gemini man, sorry, comes out today. 
I have absolutely no interest in that movie. Uh, it doesn't look appealing to me at all. Okay. So I wasn't even putting that in my equation. That is absolutely on my list because I'm excited and I want to do it. But uh, we'll see. I mean, you know what? Yeah. There's been some bombs this year where it's like you get all excited about something that looks really, really good. And then you just kind of go, uh, okay. It, yeah, it looks, it's one of those movies. It's one of those action movies where the, this is, this is my beef with it, by the way. It's one of those action movies that looks like a John Woo film. You know, remember John Woo from the nineties? Yeah. Well, it's Ang you know, Lee. His, <laughs> well, okay. So, but his, his MO was to go way over the top on the action sequences and make them just ridiculously unrealistic and just totally nuts. And that I just don't like that for some reason. It's, it rubs me the wrong way. So that's yeah. why I have no interest in it. I so would I won't like be to reviewing Gemini man. No, that's fine. I want to see it. I mean, Adam's family has a new movie coming out, which I'm not a big, I wish they would have done a, brand new live action version that would have been amazing oh, not yeah. a fan of this whole like animated or claymation I'm like eh, I don't know so I probably won't yeah. see that I've still not seen the original zombie land even though I've I've heard it's funny and I oh should, please that comes out next week oh that's right I forgot I'm double sorry tap. I wasn't yep. even thinking about double tap never mind for I the, for totally the, go back on what I said that I, I definitely want to see that so <laughs> for the few of you who like Maleficent her second one's coming out Friday which I won't or next Friday I won't be there <laughs> no thanks Lame. uh and then that's about <laughs> it until november 2nd which is terminator dark fate i'm sorry november 1st and that i mean i don't know if it's going to be good or not but i want to see it i just gotta go i i wanted to see it after you guys were talking about how it's got linda hamilton and and you know uh who else arnold. was in it? well and arnold yeah but yeah. But then I saw the preview for it and it looks, it just looks really bad in the preview. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah. man, I you, was you so hoping know. this would look cool. But James uh, Cameron is back for this one. But isn't he, he's not directing it though. He's like producing it or something, no, isn't he? I don't know. That's a good question because, you know, he didn't do the last couple. In fact, I, if he, yeah. No, he didn't. No, he hasn't in the last several. If Cameron's going to be directing this movie, nope. he's then a writer, I will though. see it. Okay. He's a writer and a well, producer. Story is by him, which is good, but he's not directing it. Okay. Well, if the story's by Cameron, I might see it just because on principle, sure. but I'm not expecting it to be that good, which is maybe a good thing. Maybe I'm maybe I'll come out, you know, expecting it to be bad and then come out thinking, "Huh, that was really good." Yeah. I mean, Way better than I expected. I'm not expecting it to be a Terminator 1 or 2 at all, but I'm expecting it to be better than 3. Four, you know, because that was a prequel. That wasn't a bad yeah. Terminator movie. It was just different. No, really. and, and five, you know, the whole Genesis one was a little campy at times, but there, there were good scenes in Genesis and there were a lot yeah. of not so good scenes. So I expected to I be was better okay than with three and those. five. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, I'm definitely, definitely got to have those Harry Potter movies watched at some point. There are some other like various Halloween type you know, movies or whatever that I haven't seen yet. Like hilarious. So I'm like, ah, just watch them, whatever. I've got like a fall mix of music. It's kind of funny. We go on leaf tours constantly. We, we're always like, as we're driving home or doing something, we're like, okay, let's try to find trees. You know, if we need to take a little bit of a detour on the way home, let's try to find some beautiful trees. And we actually went up into the mountains over the weekend last weekend. And oh my gosh, we found some incredible, incredible leaves. It was a perfect blue sky day. Got some great pictures. Oh, good. Really, really nice. And then, of course, just any kind of pumpkin, anything, drinks, muffins, you know, foods. <laughs> uh, don't say muffins. You're making me hungry. Oh, Sarah makes these great pumpkin spice muffins. Don't. Oh, don't. man. Oh, yeah. There's just uh, this. It's fall, baby. <laughs> we got to have fun. Okay. Uh, I've got some music to share really quickly. This is cool. I'm always looking for new music. There's a brand new Churches song called Death Stranding. So check that one out if you're a Churches fan. 
I am. Chaverches. Chaverches. I like calling that Chaverches. I can't help it. Here is a crazy thing that I never expected to ever see in music or on Spotify. You know Andrea, Andrea Bocelli, right? No. Opera singer? The blind opera singer? Not into opera. Sorry. Okay. Well, he's a modern day. Oh, and it's a he. I see. I was thinking he. uh, Yeah. He, he, uh, modern day. I've heard of Botticelli. Well, by the way, there is a, oh my gosh, I don't know what the name of it right now is, but there is a documentary on Andrea Bocelli on Netflix right now. Oh, and dang it. I wish I could remember the the music of, um, something like that. Like music. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll find it for you, but it's about his story, how he becomes blind and, and you know, it's apparently really, really well done. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm interested in that, but he has just a gorgeous voice, man. And, and it's not like old school opera. He sings a lot of beautiful new stuff. Um, if you ever heard that song time to say goodbye with Sarah Brightman, he did the duet with her, which I was like a while Sarah ago. Brightman. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like old school opera. Like you're thinking it's beautiful stuff anyway. And then Ellie Goulding, who I love mm-hmm. and she has I a lot like of good. Ellie. Yeah. Well, they, they teamed up. I thought, really Andrea and Ellie like that doesn't okay so I figured oh, I'll check this out see what it's like it's amazing dude it's called return mm-hmm. to love so if you like either one of those artists and you want something that's just a little different check it out it's really good by the way it's called the music of silence on Netflix about Andrea Bocelli wait is is the new Chaverch's song death stranding is that have anything to do with the computer game of the same name I don't know okay that's a popular game right now too. So it might, maybe it's like the, you know, theme song for it. I don't know. I've never played the game, maybe. so I don't know. It's well, a zombie some... game. I'm not going to touch oh, it, but oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, I've really been enjoying the flash and arrow because I've been catching up as I mentioned and oh, good. getting into season seven of arrow and actually getting into season five of flash has been really good. I like it. I enjoyed the end of season four. Yeah, that's where I was on. It's you know what? It was a good break. I'm glad I took a couple of years off to not just to get away from it. And now I'm having so much fun going back to it. And I'm also having so much fun not reviewing it. So it's been it's just been fun, man. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a nice time. casual, nice casual watch now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, this goes back to the Renaissance person me that it's I enjoyed when I did Aero Squad. But when you talk about one thing and that's all it drives a Renaissance person to insanity. Yeah. So if you're talking about that's how you became insane. That's right. Insane in the real Brian membrane. Yeah. But other than that, you know, if I can talk about the variety, I'm good, man. I'm good. So special. That's why we have the (laughs) TRBS. All right. So before we get into the Joker, I wanted to actually bring in a couple of things to chat about. Let's get real, man. You ready to get real? It is the real Brian show after all. Yeah, that's true. We don't get really real very often do we well, i mean like really really real like down to the the, the nitty-gritty real yeah like like grabbing people by the nape of the neck and ripping their heads out of the oh, sand and yeah. shoving their faces in the elephant in the room type of real right man that's great or you know usually yeah. i like to say grab the bull by the uh i'm sorry the horns and you know just just like you know wrestle that sucker down and you know own him own him Pwn him. Get the world by the tail and wrap it around and pull it down and put it in your pocket. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's get real. So, I don't know what just happened there. All right, so two things I wanted to talk about. One will be 
before we go into the Joker review, I want to talk a little bit about that mental health side of things that I mentioned at the beginning of the show from a slightly different way because I had something that I thought would be really good for us to think about and also take action on. But first thing is I want to get, it's time to get a pulse here on, on the real Brian show. We've been doing this show for about three and a half years now, maybe not quite three and a half, but close to it's time to get a pulse. Yeah. And part of it is because I've been, you know, I've been trying to get a pulse. I've been having some interesting conversations recently with various people, some listeners, some not. And what's so weird to me is just letting people talk, just listening to what they have to say. And I'm starting to notice a little bit of a pattern. And one is that I'm finding apparently, and this is weird. And by the way, this is not abnormal because podcasters all go through this business people, entrepreneurs, they all go through this kind of thing. People go through this for that matter. But I'm finding that I don't think we've created a good enough of a quote identity here on the show. Like what Mm. is the real Brian show about? And somebody can tell you exactly what it is in like, you know, 30 seconds or less, five seconds, you know? And also when people say, well, who's it for? So let me explain. Many of you (laughs) that listen are nerdy and geeky people. And some of you would probably say that I'm only nerdy and geeky. That's it. I love my nerdy geeky things and I don't care about anything else. Like I don't care about football or health or whatever. Right. Then you've got your, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Renaissance people, the multi-potentialites, but you're not nerdy or geeky. It's kind of like, well, I love the fact that you talk about everything, but I could care less whether you talk about gaming or sci-fi or any kind of nerdy thing at all. Like magic, the gathering. What's that? You know what I mean? Then you've got, the people that listen that are Renaissance people, multi-potentialites who are nerdy and geeky and primarily, even though you have, you know, 4,000 interests, primarily you like your nerdy and geeky things more than your non nerdy and geeky things. And then we have a few listeners who are none of the above. <laughs> so, which oh, is, and by the way, this episode's drinking game is every time Brian says nerdy and geeky, take a shot. Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. Hopefully you're doing espresso shots because I just want to. So see you're all haven't... very, very inebriated right now. Yeah. Well, or, or, or out of body experiences from the espresso. It'll be fun. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, I have had 24 <laughs> espresso shots and I feel weird. So every <laughs> time you said nerdy and geeky. Oh, great. There it goes again. So I think, by the way, for those of you who were having conversations with me this week, thank you. I appreciate this. But apparently this is something that I need to fine tune better. And I find it interesting. And I don't care, by the way, if we have people from all personality types, I don't care. That's awesome. But what I find interesting is when personality types, I'll say, I would rather you not talk about gaming. And then on the other side that, you know, the, the nerdy and geeky side, uh oh, there's another one. Take an espresso shot. <laughs> um, you are like, yeah, please talk about the gaming. So it's kind of like, okay, we're definitely not going to please everybody here. So we need to figure this out now. That's one side of the things. Do we? Eh, not really. I mean, I can do whatever I want. It, but okay, need. actually, I mean, that, need, that really. brings me into my next point that actually I hear a lot. Do whatever I want, right? I can't. In fact, I think this is everyone I've talked to yeah. has at one point said that you think that I do TRBS for me. Well, it is the real Brian show after all. It's all about you. You know, like you. You you get to do whatever you want. This is your show, man. And I just get to listen to whatever you love. And I went, that's not at all what the show is. Mm. That was never the intention. So maybe naming the show, the real Brian show was a bad decision because this show is for you each and every one of you. That's why I created this show. 
I'm a yeah. social person, right? You know that I'm an extrovert. I do this Hardcore. show for community and interaction. And most importantly, I do this show to put a smile, put a smile on your face. And you're not a narcissist at all, by the way. Oh, if, anybody has, if everybody's wondered, uh, Brian doesn't do this because he's, he thinks he's the bomb or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have said you're, I have narcissistic a, tendencies, though. So I appreciate no, you, your comments. I don't think you do well, at all. You. Uh, you're a true extrovert. And that's something that a lot of people just aren't really used to, I think. Well, that's true. If you're an introvert, extroverts are very foreign. I get that. And exhausting. So, yeah, I mean, I really, truly do this show to put a smile on your face, to make your day better. And ideally, and this is where it gets the deeper side of things, is that encourage and empower you to be better, to unleash your superhero and win at life. I mean, how many times do we talk about that? So when I hear people saying, well, the show is all about you and whatever you love and do whatever you want, like that's so disheartening. Because when I'm going out there and saying, dude, this show's for you listening and I want you to have a better life and a better day as a result of this show. If that's not happening, then I have so failed this podcast. Like so mm. failed. Three and a half years of fail. I disagree, but no, I appreciate I understand it. what you're saying. I appreciate it. No, but this is why I'm trying to get a pulse. Yeah, he's not lecturing anybody, by the way. Uh, no, 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 no. Not at all. <laughs> no, because, you know, okay, so here's something. We started a Slack channel. I have a Facebook group, you know, we have all of these things and there's not a lot of interaction and, you know, from people listening and which is, let me just, again, as an extrovert and a social person, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, it sucks it's so bad. Painful. It is because I'm like, why won't people talk? And, and I don't know. <laughs> like, I really don't know. Maybe I'm not interesting. Maybe the show isn't that interesting. Maybe that, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. So it's one of those things where it's like, we will talk about like the depression episode. And uh -huh. I think I heard from one person that said that was a good discussion and needed. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But did we help anyone? Did we encourage anyone? Did we help anyone out of their depression? Do they feel like they have a home now? Do they feel connected? I don't know. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, we talk about so many things on this show that, yeah, okay. We nerd out about our movies, right? our movies and TV shows and our gaming. That's fun stuff. We all need entertainment. And a lot of people forget what it's like to just relax and entertain and just have fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we also have our curiosity piece, which we talk about all the time. What are we nerding out on? I mean, that's so, that's so core to our show. But then again, this goes back to if you're not walking away from this show, you know, with a better day, smile on your face, impacted, encouraged, like, I, you know what? I needed to hear that. I'm going to go take action now in my life and better my life. If you're not doing any of those things, then we're failing here because that's what I want. So yeah, the engagement, the interaction on social media and on Slack is, it's just not there. <laughs> I really wish it were. And honestly, I'm at a loss as to what to do to, to create more engagement. And I don't know. And that's kind of where I'm looking for a little bit of feedback here. Feedback. Constructive feedback. Yeah. Another thing, and I, I don't want to harp on this and I don't bring this up often just because I hate asking for money and support. I hate it. I did nonprofit work for a long time and I had to do it that and I hated it, but I don't get paid to do the show. Captain influence does not get paid to do the show. There's Nor do a, I want to. Well, I appreciate that. There's a very minimal support coming in for the show right now. There's four people helping two of these people including Captain Influence and Kryptonite, which those will be the two people. <laughs> <laughs> two of the four. Two of the four are also giving their time. So it's kind of like, 
one, I'm incredibly thankful for you four people, by the way, but they cannot shoulder the burden themselves. So yeah, we don't get paid. It's not cheap to run a podcast. I mean, it's not super expensive either, but it takes a lot of time and talent and work and experience all the time. I've been doing this for three and a half years, week in and week out. And so we do need more support for this show. I mean, my request is engagement. And yes, we need a little more support for the show just so that it's not a burden on all of us. And right. I don't want it to ever become a burden on anyone. Yeah. So those are two, two requests that I have right now, but let's, let's just go into this a little bit. Here's a couple questions. What do you get out of the show? If anything at all, by the way, if you don't get anything, please tell me just like, you know, Brian, you're nice to listen to. I like captain influence better, but I don't get a thing out of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, come on. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Do you like our pop culture entertainment side of things? You know, movie, TV show reviews, gaming talk, new music. Do you like that? Do you get anything out of that? Even if it's just pure entertainment and a smile, that's fine. That's, that's actually, that's powerful. Yeah. That's, that's worth it right there. Yeah. What about when we're talking about, what are you nerding out about? You know, do you like it when we nerd out about stuff or do you prefer us to go back to those interviews where we were interviewing those who have, you know, they nerd out on interesting topics. So what do you get out of that? Unleashing the superhero. Again, it's so, so, so important. But are you unleashing your superhero? Are you getting anything out of that or not? How is your life impacted about when we talk about unleashing your superhero? Share anything, stories, whatever. I I really like that. Just engage. Exactly. All, All we need is engagement. So all of that said, would you please, please contact me? And the best way to do this is TRB at realbryanshow.com. It's, you know, coming directly to me. No one else sees that. So if you just, if you're shy about contacting, like, uh, just, just send me an email, man. You can contact me on social media too, or Slack. I don't care, but those are all perfectly fine. But TRB at realbryanshow.com. I just want to know, does the show impact you and make your life better in any way? And if it does, please share how specifically, like get specific and share some examples. And if not, if you're just like, you know what? This show does not impact my life or make it better. I just like listening. Then tell me why not? Like, what's the reason that it doesn't? And then this is important. Second thing is what can we do more of in this show? And also what can we do better to more more, different? Well, that's true. More of yeah, different and better to more greatly impact you and better your life. I want to know. I mean, again, this shows for you. So if you're not getting out of it, what you think you should be getting out of it, then please tell me so that we can do a good job here. And then again, the third thing is please partner with TRBS on Patreon. And I know there are a lot of things you can be and probably already are partnering with, but please, please, please consider this. We'd really like, I believe it's time for this community to band together. I really do. Not just having four people shoulder the burdens. I want this whole community to come together. Even if it's a dollar a month, man. That's cool. Yeah, uh, and I know bit. some of you really are struggling financially. Up. And if you are, don't seriously, yeah. Yeah. don't give. So anyway, there we go. Uh, by the way, patreon.com slash real Brian show. We'll have these all in the links in the show notes, by the way. So just go there, check it out uh, and let us know because um, if I'm not doing it right, then I need to do better and I need to do it right. And I want to serve you all here on this show. So that's why I'm trying to get a pulse on the show. How do we get more engagement? And by the way, this will come to if you're if you're saying, well, Brian, I'm a renaissance person, but I am not nerdy or geeky. And tell me that 
Or if you say that, you know, I totally love the nerdy and geeky stuff. Don't get rid of it or whatever. You know, just tell me a little bit about who you are, too. And we'll go from there. And I can put out a survey if that'd be easier. But I really want to hear from people. Thank you, by the way. Good talk. Good talk. On to some comments about Joker. But before we get into the actual review of Joker, it's tying in with Joker and then the mental health depression side of things. And again, we talked about this recently, so we're taking this at a different perspective. So it's different than what we talked about. And we're certainly not going to go into full on mental health conversation because I'm not qualified for that. (laughs) One thing that I find interesting because I was reading the reviews a little bit on Joker before going in, by the way, it's got a nine out of 10 on IMDb, which is incredibly high. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) What I've found is I'm fascinated how unhealthily attracted we are to stuff like this. So for example, the mental health side of things from an entertainment point of view. In fact, Johnny pistol shot and I were talking after the movie and he said something like people just love watching train wrecks, not literal ones, but you know, somebody just destroying their life. They're entertained and fascinated by it to an unhealthy level. We love that stuff And, and always have, and we're messed up for loving that stuff. You know, we're wired for it. Yeah. On the other hand, if we know somebody personally, or we see someone in life and they're depressed or discouraged. We're repelled by those people. Right. Well, well, I thought you were going to say we we're attracted to that sort of situation. If we don't know the people involved. Yes. If we don't know the people, we do know the people involved, then it becomes a completely different situation. Exactly. Yeah. So two completely unhealthy sides right there. We're attracted to that train wreck and we are repelled by those who we actually should be helping. So I'm like, that's only because messed up. It, it is, but only because the people in those situations where we should be helping them collectively, by the way, their situation and, and their, their issues make us uncomfortable. And so it's human, unfortunately, to, for most of us, not all of us, some, some people are just really hardcore Samaritans. Yeah. But for the majority of humanity, you turn your back on what makes you uncomfortable. You, you don't look at what makes you uncomfortable. That's where the whole proverbial elephant in the room comes from. So the, the elephant's still there. It's, not, it's staring at you all the time, and there's lots of them. All of us, all of us, they're all, we all have our elephants in the room, collectively and individually. Mm-hmm. But we choose to see some of them. We choose to, to, to hide from others, and some of us choose to hide from all of them. But yeah, it's very, 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 very natural. Unfortunately, well, yeah, it's true. And we were even also psychologically, and this is all psychological, like uh natural tendency, I guess, like a psychological mm-hmm. yeah, natural tendency is essentially what it is. Human nature. Yeah. We're also psychologically attracted to successful people and beautiful people. I mean, right. There are so many studies out there saying that we will trust and believe people who are more beautiful and it's yeah. bizarre and also successful, even though those people might be bad people <laughs> just because mm-hmm. It's the human nature. And here's the thing too. You'll look at someone who's struggling. I think there's two things. One is, and I've said this before. We talked about this last week with, was this last week or the week before with choice? I think that was a week before talked about choice. And I feel like if somebody has a choice to get out of their situation and chooses not to, that's a different story because you can't help someone who's also not willing to take action themselves because you'll like, it'll never happen. But you can you don't have to abandon them either. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But if I'm giving you all the resources to get out of your situation and you choose not to do that, that's 100 percent on you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. However, 
people that truly are struggling and don't know what to do and are consistently getting beaten down, turning our backs on those people, that's messed up. Even though, it, like you said, it's human nature. Right. And it's going to result in bad things. It, well, it can. Absolutely. Yeah. So another thing is, is that, so what I said, we're, we're psychologically attracted to the successful and the beautiful people. We are also not naturally drawn to or attracted to those who are not beautiful or six or like not successful. Right. If they're, eh, you know, I'm struggling right now. I'm not making enough money. We walk away. You know, we don't, we're not going to follow that person. We're not going to hang out with that person. Right. Yeah. I guess in a way we do walk away. We mm-hmm. or at the very, very least. We just pretend that, that, I mean, just acknowledge that it's not our problem. And then we just kind of ignore it. I think. Right. Like, yeah. By yeah, walk away, we best, kind yeah. of ignore it. Like we're, you know, if somebody it's amazing too. And I actually tested this. Somebody beautiful walks into a coffee shop. Everybody looks up. Somebody not beautiful walks into a coffee shop. Nobody looks up. Yeah, but you got to look up to see if they're beautiful or not, right? Well, you might look up and then and then how long do you look at the beautiful person versus if they're ugly, you just look right back down. You know, for me personally, I hear you, but for me personally, it's kind of funny. Uh, This is just an aside, but I I don't know if this is just hyper um, considerate or what, but if a really attractive woman walks into a room or something like that and they're not my wife, I tend to just... I. Once I see that they're really attractive, I look away immediately and I don't look at good. them anymore because I don't want them to see me looking at them. Well, that's good though. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Because, because it's, otherwise I feel like I'm gawking and I don't want to oh, do that. Yeah, no. so, we don't want that And so I, I miss out on, on seeing uh, well, what you might consider as eye candy a lot because I, I choose not to. No, you're, you are doing the correct choice, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that. I'm not even talking about me or you. I'm talking about the room in general. If you're at a coffee shop, people look up and then they stare at the beautiful people. And whether it's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, right? But they're staring longer at a more beautiful person than they do of an ugly person. Um, At at the very, very least, they really, really want to. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But then (laughs) here's the other thing. And I started to do this test on my own is that I try to smile at everybody that walks. Like if I'm sitting at a coffee shop and somebody comes in and they walk by me, I smile at everybody. And I would mm-hmm. say probably one out of 10 people even look at me at all. Hmm. Yeah. And the rest of them just completely ignore me. Pretend I'm like, I'm not even there. So that's just unfortunate culture. But interestingly, even the, like the beautiful people seem to hold themselves more confidently. And then the less beautiful people, my gosh, man, it's like they have no confidence and and they're just like almost shameful when they walk in and it's sad. Mm, so I yeah. try to smile at them and they just kind of look at me like, why are you smiling at me? What are you making fun <laughs> of me? And I'm like, no, I'm just smiling at, you know, it's weird. So that's sad. Right. And then of course, as I mentioned the whole, when someone is down or in a tough place and all that, typically we're not just ignoring them. We actually are repelled by them. We try to walk away from those people. And again, that's human nature. That's natural tendencies. However, Let's be completely honest. That makes us shallow. In a certain way, yes. Yeah. And guess what? Then we become the losers because we're not stepping up and doing the right thing. Yeah. There's something to be said about mindfully acknowledging this phenomenon and, and challenging yourself to do something, behave a little differently against, against your nature, essentially. Yeah. It's part of social evolution. I mean, it's, it's part of choosing to take the high road over the, over the low or middle road, like we all mm-hmm. instinctively want to do half the time. So, and you're right. You know, the people that are the Samaritans, the, the naturally compassionate mercy driven people, it's going to be much easier for them 
to come around these people in a much more natural way than it is for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I am not a naturally compassionate person, by the way. But one of the things that I've tried to make a decision because, you know, I do have a few friends who are consistently, constantly, I'm, I'm going to use both those words, but they're always depressed. You know, they're always struggling and it's mm-hmm. been going on for years. Right. And sometimes they're better. And most of the time they're not. And it's hard. It is so hard to be around that because you yeah. just like, dude, it is time for you to get out of that. Like get over it. And I know it's a lot easier said than done. Right. I know of that. Course. Of course. But there comes a point where you have to make the choice. You have to make the choice to get up and get over it. And if you have the friends and the support around you, you can do it. Period. If you don't have the support and the friends around you, well, okay, that's a different story. But yeah. either way, whether they're going through something financially, health-wise, mentally, I don't, it doesn't matter, right? It's going to be hard for each and every one of us to want to be around those people. And I totally understand that. So yeah. I'm looking at, there's two things. One is we cannot abandon these people ever, but we do, but we can't, we got to stop doing that. We got to stop abandoning these people regardless of what they're going through. But then the balance is we also need to not let these people bring us down. If they are toxic to us or hurting us, then we might need to walk away, you know, for our own health. But if they're just kind of bringing us down all the time, then balance your time with that person, you know, don't abandon them, but don't let them bring you down either. Because if they bring you down, then you're no use to them or anyone else. Yeah. So I look at it that way, but you cannot abandon them. And I'm so tired of watching people walk away and abandon people because they're having a hard time. Tired of that, which honestly makes those people suck of all sucks. So don't be that. (laughs) Don't be the suck of all sucks. Suck of all sucks. Yeah. So never abandon those people around you, your friends, all that. And you know, if you're someone who is depressed and struggling and having a hard time and maybe, maybe you even think you're a failure right now. And unfortunately, let's be honest, the world does see you as a failure and a loser because the Uh, world's stupid, but you're not. That's the thing. You're not a loser. The only way that makes you a loser is if, well, actually, I'm not going to go into that, but let's just put it this way. You're just (laughs) having a hard time. You're in a sucky spot. All right. That's it. You're not a loser. So the good news is this. And I said this just a minute ago. You can overcome this. You will succeed. Okay. You will win. You have the support. So I am not going to abandon these people. So if any of you are dealing with that and I know I'm not going to abandon you, like let's do this. Let's work through this together. Now I'm not a qualified psychologist or, you know, anything like that. So there are definitely people that can be of better help, but the rest of us, we got to stick around these people. We got to do what we can. This does lead into the Joker, right? Well, and I wanted to say one more, one more, another thing as well. Yeah. And I'm not going into the Joker yet. I'm just saying it leads into some of the stuff. So go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is keep in mind that the real losers out there, and I'm talking to the listeners right now, the real losers are not probably not you. The real losers are like people who are abusive to their spouses or, or their children yes. or people around them. You know, bullies are losers. People who are really passionate about completely ridiculously lost causes like white nationalists, they're losers. And they don't they don't realize it, but they, those are the pe- those those types of people are actual losers. So if you think you're a loser, you're almost certainly not, regardless yeah. of what the world thinks. Yeah, because exactly. You, keeping things in perspective is really important when you're yeah. considering things like that. Yeah, and you know what? Regardless of you're having a tough time or you're dealing with depression or being down or whatever, I know I can speak for myself, but I, I think I can speak for you, Captain Influence. We see you as valued and respected human beings. Yeah, absolutely. You're just having a tough time. We all have tough times, right? You're going to get through this. 
All so of us have tough times. We've talked about this on the show. This show is designed to love, value, and respect each and every each and every person, regardless. So that's why. That's one of the. Oh, that's another reason, by the way, that we created this show. So if you don't feel loved, valued, or respected here, then again, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> Maybe the bullies don't though, because we just called them losers. I don't think they listen, so it's okay. Yeah, that's true. Well. I think the reason I really wanted to share this one is it ties into Joker, but two is that I'm really, really effing tired of all the crap out there. You know, it's so funny. People are like, oh, check out this podcast and check out these people. And, and I'm looking at them and they're, I'm, they say the same thing or, or they, they communicate the same thing, whether they say it or not, because their pictures communicate it, their branding, their marketing, whatever. It's always like, look at me. I have the perfect body. I'm beautiful. I'm the perfect <laughs> specimen. Look at my six pack. I'm a, I'm a Kardashian. Mul- yeah, I'm a multimillionaire, billionaire. <laughs> look at my, my Bugatti. Look at me. You can totally, you can be this too if you just buy my course. Like I see that everywhere, dude. It is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm tired of it, man. I'm so tired of it. Like, <laughs> and the thing is, some of these people, well, they are blessed with good looks. They are blessed with healthy bodies and they work hard at it and they actually are good people and they do put out stuff genuinely wanting to help people. So there are those out there. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that the world is trying to utilize these people to program us to say you need to follow those beautiful and successful people because they are the ones that are going to help you. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true. What I'm challenging us to say is let's be real people with real struggles and problems. And instead of pointing people to our quote, fake happiness and success all the time, which I've struggled with that on the show. It's kind of like, do I share my struggle on the show? Nah, I can't do that. Then I'll look like an idiot. I'll look like a failure. Nobody wants to hear that. And they'll walk away and stop listening. That's what I thought the whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, some struggles are personal, right? But some struggles, it's like, dude, just be real about this. And here's the other thing too. I don't have a six pack. Well, I do have six pack abs, but they're underneath. I do. They're underneath a stomach that I got to get well, rid of. Yeah, you don't <laughs> just, you just don't cover that. But here's the fry. thing. I'm six, four and I'm not overweight, but I'm not, not at all. perfectly fit either. And so if you, it frustrates Where did me. This come from. No, I'm, I'm telling you all <laughs> of this stuff, the stuff that we're supposed to compare ourselves to. If we want to be successful, we've got to look like those people. We've got to act like those people. I mean, how many, I can't tell you how many people have told me you got to stop gaming if you want to make money. And I'm like, really, though? really though? You know what I'm saying? My point tell is Tyler Blevins that, you know? Yeah, exactly. So my, my point here is, is that people are trying to make us fake. They're trying to help us to show our fake happiness on social media. Look at our success, even if it's not entirely hundred percent true. I'm saying again, let's be real people with real struggles and problems and let's overcome these struggles together. And then showcase our victories and help others to succeed instead of pointing to how awesome we are. How about that? Yeah. Good goal. I want your feedback. If you're like, yeah, Brian, (laughs) heck yeah, let's do this. Or if you're like, you know, Brian, you're, you're an idiot. (laughs) Or somewhere in between. It's true too. Like, yeah, whatever. Do whatever you want. All right, let's tie into the Joker review. You ready? I'm ready. It does tie in. First of all, I believe this movie is not for the fainthearted. I have seen and heard from some people who have watched the movie and were, uh, let's just say, a little over uh, over affected by it. Uh, so maybe that's stimulated. Yeah, yeah, not in a good way. I think they were just kind of like, "Wow, this was not what I expected," or whatever. There are brutal moments. There are disturbing moments. 
Uh, it's not as some people are saying the entire movie is disturbing and brutal. That's not entirely true. There's parts no. that are. However, I mean, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's brilliantly done. I mean, it's like I said, it's gotten a nine out of ten on IMDb. The movie is incredibly well done. In fact, I think the way I could put it is that it's an incredibly well done movie, but it's not necessarily an entertaining movie per se because it's not a movie that we really should enjoy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's so well done that it's like, but I do enjoy it. I think right. if it weren't well done, I think everyone would hate it. Actually. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of my initial thing. Um, what are your thoughts? Just non-spoilery. Yeah, I think that you've said it all for non-spoilery. Um, it's definitely got a lot of social commentary on psychological issues and uh, sociological issues, especially. There's a lot of sociological commentary in this movie, mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that, especially the the specifics of it. So it's a very well done origin story that does tie in with the Batman origin story. I will throw that out at you. At, to, to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not completely separate at all. It takes place in the early, like very early 80s, like the like 80, 81, something like that. Although they never say it's just visual cues and technology that tell you when when it takes place. and. Uh, they did a really good job of making the viewer sympathize with the villain through much yeah. of the film. Yeah, that's true. So they did a lot of pushing and pulling at the viewer's psyche, basically, you know, because you're not supposed to admire or feel empathy or sympathy towards the Joker. I mean, he's he's like Batman's arch villain. He's he's mm-hmm. he's he's pure evil in all of mm-hmm. his manifestations, at least all all of his previous manifestations. But, or I, I should say, pure insanity. Not, not. I mean, evil is is a bit of a different conversation. But you do feel for the man in in how he becomes the Joker in this mm-hmm. film. So, yeah. yeah you mentioned I something I that I thought was very interesting, and this is not a spoiler, by the way. So don't worry. But you said something that it takes place in like the early '80s, which is good to know because there were questions about. Okay, well, there were cars from looked like the '60s and '70s, and then they were watching. I think it was a Charlie Chaplin movie at one point. I'm like, that was from they like were. the twenties or thirties. And so they're like, which timeline is this? And and then I, you, as you were saying something, the eighties, I just remembered that the Tim Burton, 1989 version of Batman showed Gotham city, even though it was in the eighties as kind of old school, everything was very old school. You know, they had sixties cars, sometimes older cars. They wore like fedoras with their suits and, it, you know, even that, though it was the eighties, it was like, they just had like an old school vibe to the city. Was so maybe, it really? See the Tim Burton's Batman was almost like a time. There, there wasn't really a time setting because Gotham city was such a unique environment in that film. Yeah. But it almost felt it, like this paid homage to that. So I guess sort of, although and, I mean, Gotham city was very drab and ordinary in this movie, like it was in the, in the Nolan films, but the cues were the cars, the fashion, the the VCR he uses to watch stuff and sure. fast forward and stuff. It's an old school VCR. The televisions, everything yeah. was screamed between the years of 79 and 81, maybe yeah. 82. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, really quickly is do I, I'm going to use this now because if you're thinking, should I go see the movie or not? Uh, I'm going to at least say this. Do I recommend the movie? Um, I would say this. If you can handle this level. I think a lot of people went in expecting this to be a superhero slash supervillain type movie, and it's not. It is an extremely intense psychological look at the origin story of the Joker. 
So mm-hmm. it's mostly mental health in that sense. And um, it's it's just not for the faint hearted, man. So if you're thinking like, oh, yeah, this is a great supervillain. No, do you don't think that it is an origin story only. So if you're interested in that and you feel like you can handle it, by all means, go. Also, you like the Joker. Hey, I like the psychotic version of the Joker and I want to see a great origin story. Good. There you go. And here's another thing too to consider. You can go to see the movie and use this as an incredible conversation to go out and help those in need and those who struggle, which is what we were just talking about. If you can use this as kind of a jumping point, a good conversation point, then I think that'd be great. So those are some thoughts. If you're a little squeamish or you're a little sensitive or you're like, I don't know about the disturbing and the brutal sides of things, then don't. It it is rated R. So this movie, this movie was meant to challenge your psyche and it was meant to make you uncomfortable period. You know, there's a lot of question about, well, is there anything, you know, like inappropriate or sexual or there's none like that. So don't worry about that. It's well, except for violence. I mean, it's the violent side of things and there might be a little bit of language, but I didn't even hear that much. So I think it's mostly the thematic and a few violent scenes, but it's not. Somebody said the entire movie is violent. I'm like, no, it's not. There's Most a, of the violence is implied. Yeah. Some, there's a few yeah. scenes and it's implied and it's mostly thematic, I think more than anything else. So there you go. Let's spoil now. Oh yes. You ready? All right. If you need to turn We're this spoiling off now. time to spoil, here we go. You go first. All right. Well, I mean, your summary was a lot better in the show notes, but um, what I had to say was that I honestly, I really enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would. In fact, and I enjoyed it in some respects that maybe I shouldn't have. First of all, Joaquin's Joker was, in my opinion, equal to Heath Ledger's. Uh, it was different, but it was just as brilliant. So some people think it was better. Some people don't think it was quite as good. It's, it's, it's a little bit apples to oranges. So it was just a different interpretation of the character, and it was done very, very well. If Joaquin Phoenix, He's definitely going to be nominated for an Oscar at the very, very, very least. And he is probably a front runner for winning it uh, at the next Oscars. So it was very well acted. Nice. Um, when he shot the bad guys, sorry, the bad guys, when he shot the <laughs> Delta the Bravos, yeah. yeah, the Delta Bravos on the train, I was ecstatic. Yeah. In my mind, they totally deserved it. I know that's very uh, unorthodox. I can't shake this opinion. If it happened again, if it happened tonight on the news, I'd feel the exact same way. I'm sorry. Mm. I just would. People who assault others for their own pleasure simply need to be exterminated, in my opinion. That's that's my own. I'm throwing that out there at the audience. That's how I feel about people like that. Can I jump in Uh, on that real quick? Oh, please. Yes. So interestingly, you know, when they're acting, we just talked about bullies earlier on the show. Yeah, I hate bullies. Barely. I really do. And who here, doesn't? Oh yeah. Here's the Unless thing. You're though, they were bullying, and they were kicking him, and they were beating him, and then you know he turns around and shoots him, and all of a sudden that one who was just all over him started running away, crying. I'm sorry. Please stop. Please stop. What I got from that was that, and this is typical with most bullies. Bullies have been hurt, so they hurt mm-hmm. others to feel better. That's all it is. So in some ways. Oh, I I I don't feel any bully ever deserve. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't believe that most bullies deserve death mm-hmm. ever. I believe that they deserve to get what's coming. If you know what I mean. And and sometimes in fact, we've had this conversation. Lee, remember Lee Steven, bad kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. He and I've had this conversation before and 
it's interesting too, because, you know, both of us being Christians coming, this is not the kind of Christian viewpoint necessarily, but I'm the kind of person who's like, I'm going to try to talk a situation, right? I'm going to talk through it. Somebody's a bully. I'm going to try to just reason through it and be like, okay, this is, that's enough, you know? And part of it is who's the alpha because a bully is in the alpha position. And when he is no longer in the alpha position, he's no longer a bully. Um, True. Sometimes a bully, I believe this. So does Lee needs to be punched in the face because it's like, dude, stop it. Like you're hurting people. And most of the time, that will knock sense into them to the point where they won't do it again. Most of the time there are those who are crazy. They're, they're beyond that. The they're bullied to the point of there's no stopping them. You right. know what I mean? And that's a totally different story. These guys though, like I didn't mind the fact that he had shot them because it was out of self-defense. However, true. Did they deserve to die? I mean, I I'm not disrespecting your opinion. I'm just saying that. Oh, of course. I don't believe they deserve to die. I don't believe anybody like that deserves to die. They just need to be taught a lesson because they're just stupid. And then they yeah. get to a point of power where they think they can do whatever they want. And then they're just, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, yeah, I hate those I people know. too, but they don't deserve they deserve quote rehabilitation, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, and and your that your opinion in that regard is is more than valid and it is actually very correct. But I still, I, I still say that when people like that are killed, I don't mind at all. In fact, I actually cheer for it. So yeah. yes, well, you're you're right that the, they that that they're not necessarily deserving of it. But when it sure. happens, I'm happy. The other thing too in the movie that really bothered me is that everybody was blaming him and they were you know crucifying the Joker as you're the villain for killing those innocent men. And if he would have just said they were beating me like they were literally <laughs> beating true. me within an inch of death and I defended myself, that would have been a different story, but he didn't even say anything. Yeah. And I just thought, well, of course, that's the psychosis. But you're just like, dude, they were I, he they almost killed him and he defended himself. And there is nothing wrong with that on this planet. Right. And if there is, then there shouldn't be. You know what I mean? But yeah. they're crucifying him as the villain, even though he I don't know that bothered me. Now, there were other scenes in the movie that are very, very different. And we'll get to those. But go ahead. Keep going. Okay, well, um, and good, good interjection, by the way. I appreciate that because it, it was a good counter to my radical opinion in that regard. And that's really <laughs> the only radical opinion I have in this. Uh, sure. Everything else was pretty more or less uh, uh, well thought. Straightforward. But, uh, yeah, or, or at least not as... as, um, as uh, Murderous? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, as, as radical. I thought that the implications of some of his murders were really well done. You know, they didn't show him kill everybody that he actually probably killed mm-hmm. or did he? I mean, the whole, did it really happen? Quote unquote aspect oh, yeah. relating to his insanity. That was, it was really well done. It, it reminded me a little bit of, of how you felt when you first saw the sixth sense back yeah. in 99 or whenever that was uh, like, Oh, uh, you know, you just didn't see it coming. Some people probably did see it coming, but because um, because a lot of his delusions, when you look back on the film, like in the first half of the film, a lot of the delusions that he has, especially the one where he was on the Murray show mm. the first mm. time when he was watching it with his mom, mm-hmm. and he reenacted. They reenacted how he was on the show, and they they call, He said, "I love you, Murray," and he called him up to the stage, and and it was all just this happy moment. It was almost too happy and i thought wait was he dreaming yeah you know so I, so something was up there and then the whole relationship with his neighbor oh that was uh, creepy yeah so all that was really well done i was also very pleased with the strongly portrayed implication that society reaps what it sows this is the sociological commentary if society if social services are removed from a large and growing population like they were in this film 
especially with one with such, especially one with such a huge gap between the rich and the poor. Hint, hint. Then more crazies are going to be generated, and more are going to pop. Period. Simple cause and effect. So yeah. if you yeah. think social, if you're one of those people who thinks social services are unnecessary fluff in government that should be cut so that the rich can keep getting richer, then sleep in the bed you make and enjoy watching the world burn because that's yeah. precisely what's happening in the long run. Mm-hmm. So, and this movie totally just throws this in your face. Like it's, it doesn't just say it, but it does everything but just say, this is what happens when you do this. Mm-hmm. Have fun. You know? <laughs> so it was just a very, I, I just thought it was the, the message was super powerful and I appreciate it a lot. And the filmmakers were just illustrating what comes naturally in any human society that fails to keep itself healthy as a whole. Yeah. The animals take over. Yeah. So, Yeah, that's good points. You know, going back to what you said about the relationship with his neighbor, I didn't see that one coming. At first I, I thought, either. that's kind of weird, but okay, maybe she feels, you know, a little sorry for him or okay, you or know, that's really lonely or yeah. Well, or just, you know, she's, she sees the good in him that others don't see. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And yeah. You know, they were, and it wasn't even like an over the top relationship, you know, like with the, him guesting on the Murray show was like, this is just way too bizarre for it to be true. And oh, okay. Yeah. He's imagining this with his neighbor. You're just like, this makes sense. And then at the very end, when he just walks into her room and she freaks out and says, wait, wait, are, is your name Arthur? And do you live? I'm like, oh my gosh. He imagined the, the entire thing. Yeah, Holy yeah. cow. I'm like, geez, this Very is sixth sense moment. Yeah. Well, so th- actually that leads to a debate that's going on right now. Was this movie, I mean, as far as the story, was it even real or did he imagine the entire thing? Well, obviously the whole thing wasn't real, but, uh, but no, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in, in, within, within <laughs> the story, within the context of the story, right? Yeah. So because of the fact that he was imagining so much in the movie, they were actually, uh, like I said, there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, he started off with that social worker who looks You know, I mean, obviously a very different person than the social worker he's talking to at the end. But what if there is an imagination where he's out? You know, because it said, like, why did you come into the the mental institution in the first place? I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. And so you start to wonder, like, was he in the mental institution the entire movie and the whole getting out and everything that happened was just one giant imagination and like none of that actually happened. That's fun to think about, but it wouldn't make any sense to even tell the story if that were the case. I mean, Joker, I in, in the DC universe, with regards to Batman and Gotham City and all that, Joker is his, obviously, arch rival, right? Yeah. So it wouldn't make any sense at all for the filmmaker to even have that anything sort of like that in, in, in tension because he has to do bad things to become Batman's arch enemy. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, another thing I want to mention is that through a lot of the movie, it, it, it was it started out with a bang. I mean, it was it was good from the very beginning. Uh, a little bit slowish, but it was still good and, and engaging the whole way. But I kept wondering through most of the movie, when are they going to develop his character to the point where you're like, oh, I see now why he's Batman's arch arch nemesis because Batman's a total badass, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's the epitome of a focused superhero you know and without superpowers he's just he's just so focused and and fit and intelligent and you know rich with all these you know so he has all these resources because he has all this money to get all these resources and etc he's so up there as far as what he is that you've got to have somebody who who can counter him right and that's the joker so how does how does this arthur fleck guy become 
his arch nemesis. And by the end of the movie, you finally, you, you sort of come to the realization of how he became that high and mighty, uh, yeah. yeah. The high and mighty antithesis to, to Batman, you know? So, yeah, it's interesting because he is pretty much just by the end of the movie, completely ruthless and cold hearted. He has no and he's, remorse. And he's like the king of the mob, basically not king yeah. of the criminals, the king of the mob at the very end. Yeah, that's so true. interesting. Yeah. Like his power derives from, from chaos basically, which is, which is true to Heath Ledger's uh, yeah. Joker too. So, yeah, you know, um, I'll share my positives here in a second, but actually I was looking this up because I have seen this, I've seen three Joker types and then I was looking it up and I mean, again, who knows what's actually real because there there's more debate out there saying that, well, DC really doesn't know. They keep creating different Jokers. There's all kinds of Jokers, but the consensus right now is that there are three types of Jokers and there's the quote psychotic Joker, which is what we just saw here, you know, in this movie which is also the Heath Ledger version. So it's like Heath Ledger slash Joaquin Phoenix style where he's just psychotic. It's not the Jack Napier version, but then there is the Jack Napier version, which is like the Jack Nicholson Joker slash. um, I I guess they're saying the Joker from the 1960s Batman show is that same type of Joker where he's, he created the gas and he's more into like the, the pies in the face, you know, more the, the clown kind of Joker. Yeah. And then there's the Jared Leto type Joker, which is more of the crime mob. Um, you know, he's like the, the crime yeah. boss essentially okay. that's the consensus, but there's not a lot of agreement on that. So some people will say, no, that's not true. You know, this is actually, it's what it is. Right. But those are the mm-hmm. three types that I've seen and maybe there's another one. Uh, and like I said, that's the consensus. So you, this is the psychotic one. And so they're saying, well, now is, are there three different types of jokers? So like, are, are, and are there three actual different jokers too? For example, so like this is the first Joker, then the second Joker hmm. comes in later, and then the you know when Batman's an oh, adult, as in like, and then in the DC universe, are there more yeah. than one Joker? Like the another one takes over when? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I think it's more of oh, just well, a there's people saying that. So. I, I feel yeah, well, people say whatever they want, and they might not be wrong, no, but I know. it just I, doesn't I feel that way to me. I don't know what the truth is on that, but that's just whatever. That's that's what I've I was looking it up, and I couldn't find a consensus. But here's some positives. Then going along with what you said, and I'm saying this again, beautifully done. I mean, cinematography, the, the, it was just amazing. I mean, honestly, like it was so, so well done. It was, it was just amazing to me. Joaquin Phoenix was absolutely brilliant. I, I think he deserves an Oscar for this personally. I thought Heath Ledger did an amazing job, but I, I think Heath Ledger would be shaking Joaquin Phoenix's hand or even bowing down to him and saying, beautiful job, man. Like I I probably would be. He probably would be if he were here, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, it's, it's so subjective, but anyway. Yeah. And I liked Joaquin Phoenix's version better than Heath Ledger's, but that's me. Okay. I mean, I know a lot of people thought Heath Ledger's was the best, but I, I mean, I've yeah. liked all versions of, of, of the Joker because they're just different. They're interesting. You know, uh, I mean, I loved the Jack Nicholson version. It was, it was just crazy, you know, but it was fun. Yeah. It was the eighties, man. So Anyway, the score. Okay, this was interesting. We talk a lot about the soundtrack, you know, when we talk about movie reviews. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a soundtrack that I would just turn on and listen to for fun, but no, of course not. it was perfect for the movie. Every yeah. single scene, there's this, oh my gosh, I feel like the as the movie goes on, the music kind of changes and you start to be drawn into the psychosis of his mind mm. because of the music. 
And I was just like, like they, they're using these almost psycho version of violins, you know, from the original psycho movie, you know, that it's like that there was almost a, a flare of that. And it was so good. So that was just beautiful. Like everything about the movie was good. As I said, it's brilliantly done and it's a well done movie to the point where you go, wow, probably had, in my opinion, one of the most intense and realistic looks into mental health that I've seen in a movie or, or TV mm-hmm. show. I feel like they hold back a lot or they don't really show much. This was a, uh, and I think we might've been talking about this before the show, but there was, there's some super villains that you're like, okay, that's a total super villain. And they're just like way, way, way above and beyond what any human would do. This is like, right. yeah, I could see humans doing this. Yeah. Um, in fact, this, the scary part about this, and this is actually a negative for me. Um, there is a lot of con- controversy out there about around this movie of saying, what if this movie creates people that aren't necessarily going to become the Joker, but they go and they do things like this. They get crazy. They get, you know, they're beaten down. They're depressed. Mental health starts to take over. And all of a sudden they go out and they do another theater shooting because they don't care. This gives them a, this gives them a template for that. Exactly. Behavior. Yeah. And there's a big concern and controversy around this movie saying this is, this is just giving people, like you said, a template and a here, go for it. And it's terrible. We don't want that. Right. So I hope that that doesn't happen, but there is a big time concern with that. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I get that. um, I get that. You know, and I think that with regards to that, it's interesting. Like, you know how few terrorist acts there have been since 2001, there've been plenty, right? But have there really been that many, not near as many as you would expect there have been to have been. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a, and that's a, a lot of that has to do with just the, the diligence of the people who in the government, you know, track this track those people down and and keep them from doing bad things right because it, it people that stuff uh plots are foiled all the time uh, that we don't ever hear about sure but i wouldn't be surprised if very little comes of that from this movie even though you would expect it to i mean there's yeah. so many crazy people out there you know down and out people who are, are really struggling in their lives and could totally and would totally use this movie as that sort of excuse to really finally stick it to the man or whatever. I would just be surprised if that actually happens very much, if at all. Yeah. I mean, I hope that that's, I hope that's the case. I hope we don't see much because I think that was the negative about this movie is that it was so realistic that I'm like, you know, this happens. People are out there and they may not go to the extreme, like you said, because of safeguards and you know, they, they're prevented from doing it, but this is why I wanted to talk about earlier in the show that, you know, when people are in this position and I granted, I don't know how to help somebody that's that, you know, far gone mentally from a, right. from a mental health perspective or, or psychotic. And that's, I don't know how to help those people, you know, however, in the beginning of the movie, you know, for the first half to two thirds of the movie, you feel absolutely terrible for Arthur. They did a really, really good job about that. You're just like, Oh my gosh, yes. he's getting beaten up and he's getting made fun of. And, you know, the social worker that he's going to isn't listening to him. And that really pissed me off because I'm just like, come on, that's your job. Like care about these people. You need to talk to them. <laughs> Otherwise they're going to poor actress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it's not her fault. It's the, uh, I know I know it was the, the character, you know, no, she did a great job actually as an actress. But, so I but just, even I then hate you, that. You, but then even then at the same time, yeah, you totally sympathize. That's another, like, like we were talking about earlier. That's, that's something, that's a way that you totally they make you completely sympathize with the this villain, guy. Yeah, absolutely. But I also kind of sympathize. I mean, there's a lot of sympathy going on in this movie because you also sympathize with the social worker because yeah. all she does all day is talk to crazy people 
And but I mean, to be perfectly fair, her job is to try and make a difference in those people's lives. And she wasn't doing that. But that's because she was it was just so much apathy. It it oozed apathy, that whole situation. Yeah. And and it was meant to. And in real life, most social workers or people in that system at all, most Mm -hmm. don't do a dang thing to help people. Some do. There's a few that do That's, and they, they try and they actually want to make a difference, but the majority do not. And that is a serious problem because you go, Oh, well that social worker didn't care. That's too bad, but that's not how it really is. I'm like, no, no, it actually really is. So that sucks. Yeah. But, I, I wonder if, I wonder if you should be careful with that also, because I don't, I mean, you may have more experience with, with, you know, knowing people who know or whatnot, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say that most social workers don't care. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I will. In, in, in my experience and, you know, like I said, with the people that I've known and met over the years, that's very true. Okay. Uh, and I I'm not just saying just social workers. I'm talking about people that help people who are either, you know, challenged mentally in that sense or who have done things and they need to be rehabilitated. They need to get help, you know. Most just simply don't care. They're just checking their boxes. They're moving. And like you said, they see people. There's a lot of apathy. They see people that are just, they don't care. The people they see don't care. They're, they're brutal. They're mean, you know, but then there are those that do care and it's sad, right? But I, like I said, there are some, there are some that actually are out there to try to make a difference. And those people are changing the world, but the majority, they don't, they don't care. And it's sad. And that's, that's what needs to change. And honestly, if, if I say something that, you know, creates a little bit of a, an uprise and people are like, Oh, you're wrong, Brian. I'm like, then prove it. Yeah. Chat about it. Challenge me. Prove it. Converse. Yeah. Cause I've Interact. never seen it. So prove it. Oh, and that's what I was saying that when somebody is in that position, you know, like Arthur for the first half to two thirds of the movie where you feel bad for him, you know, he's getting beaten up. He's, he's abandoned. Like you just hate seeing that kind of stuff. You know, he, he was legitimately struggling and trying to kind of pick himself up. That's yeah, he where he was not, he was not slacking or anything. He no. was trying within the, within the, you know, within his abilities. And that's where we need to step up to help people like that in those moments. Yeah. You know, when they get to the point where they're just, you know, murderously killing people for, you know, no reason with no remorse. Like that's, that's beyond what I can help with. But right in the beginning moments, like that's where we needed to step up. And that's what I was saying, but it captivated our emotions one way or the other. I mean, it yes. was something where you feel his pain in the beginning of the movie. And, it, it was incredible in that sense. So there were a lot of positives to this movie, which is like, you know, it's funny. I think Johnny pistol shot and I were both saying to each other, like, it's not that I like, I, I didn't hate the movie. I, I, there were parts that I really enjoyed and I was captivated the entire time. And it was, I think it was just over two hours and it didn't feel like it. It was just, it was over, you know? Yeah. But then there were other things where it's like, but we didn't love the movie. It's not a movie I'd ever watch again. And I shouldn't like the movie because of some of the stuff that it did portray. And this is what brings me into my negatives here is that it's almost in some way, of course, this is a super villain movie. It's an origin story in the beginning. You feel bad for him. It's beautifully well done. And then towards the end, it's glamorizing his rise to violence and, Mm. you know, uh, no remorse murdering essentially because, oh, well, he deserves it. He, He was beaten up his whole life. So hell yeah, Joker go out and murder everybody. And yeah, that, that's what it mm-hmm. was trying to get us to think and feel. And that mm. I have a major problem with like people were out of walking out of the movie. That was great, man. It was awesome. Dude. The Joker was awesome. I'm like, dude, you should not be saying that <laughs> you should not be liking this movie. You should be saying, I feel bad for the Joker in the first half and the Joker in the second half 
needs to die. Batman needs to kick his butt. <laughs> this is bad. We should not be glamorizing this. This is wrong. You know, Yeah. I mentioned there were brutal moments at times. There were disturbing moments. We talked about the subway thing, you know, but this is where it got to be a little too much for me when he was just like, you know, when he, when he killed those guys, I'm like, okay, that, you know, I didn't mind that as much because they were hurting him and he was defending himself. But then it's like, oh, I'm just going to kill my former coworker. I'm going to kill my mom. I'm going to kill Murray. And I was just like, wow. Okay. That, <laughs> okay we should not be liking this anymore you know what i mean yeah 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 i hear you so that's kind of where i got into that this is becoming heinous in that sense so in that for that reason i didn't feel it was entertaining even though it was a good movie if that makes sense his character snowballs yeah fantastically i mean you really do go from sympathizing with him to being scared of him which is what they wanted so that's what that's what that was the whole point yeah I mean, I've kind of said this, but I'll, I'll just say it again that, you know, it was an extremely well done movie. So we should love it for that cinematic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But we really shouldn't love the story per se, even though, again, it's an origin story for the Joker. And it creates, like you said, Batman's arch nemesis, you know, like this is why the Joker is just so heinous and evil and everything else. And for that, it was brilliantly done. But I'm, I'm again, I'm just honestly disturbed and disheartened by how many people I thought just loved this whole thing. And we're like, Oh my gosh, it was so great. And I'm like, you know, the, the, uh, I don't know. But again, I guess if you love it for the fact that it created a villain that we should hate and that Batman should defeat, then okay. But if you're loving it in the sense of that, man, you know, Joker, we, we resonate with Joker and he deserved to kill all those people. And he got his, he got, you know, that's bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Keep in mind, too, that a lot of the people you may have heard express that sort of excitement at the end of the film were probably hiding some sort of insecurity about how it really made them feel. Oh, sure. sure. You know, so they're going to, with their buddies or their friends, they're going to totally understandably like play it off as being just an awesome movie. You know, what a, what a great job he did with playing Joker and, and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Or, you know, what, what more like what you were saying. I'm sorry, I'm not articulating it right, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that they're less likely to to really give it a good cerebral conversation afterwards because that's just un- makes them uncomfortable or who knows. But yeah, yeah. A lot of that was going on. I'm sure. Sure. And, and you know, that's, that's why I wanted to just kind of separate out, you know, like the love for this side of things is good, but we shouldn't love the other side of things. And yeah. it's more of a, I mean, granted I'm getting deep on it, but I think it's a good thing to get deep on because of yeah, we, totally. we do glamorize things like this to an unhealthy level these days. And I don't, this is a perfect good. movie. Yeah. This yeah. is a perfect movie to get, to have a deep, intelligent conversation about. Yeah. Well, after, after I said that I was totally happy with, he killed, the three guys in the subway too. I mean, I know that's, that's very unintelligent take. I, I admit that, but <laughs> I was being honest. I really no, do. And I, I did and still do feel that way. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not perfect. So, it's good yeah. to discuss it though. So I, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. But Hey, that's life. Yeah. As in the show, dude, that song is so awesome. That's life. You know, and then he was they just saying it a lot. Oh, that's I know. It's great. That's, that's in the show life. a lot. Well, there you go. There's our review of the Joker. And speaking of deep discussion and deep thoughts with Captain Influence. If you see a clown sitting alone on a subway, just smile at him and give him a little wave. Don't mock or threaten him in any way. Unless you're suicidal, then hey, go nuts. Well, I appreciate that, man. This was a fun discussion. Great conversation. Thanks for joining me, Captain Influence. 
Oh, thanks for having me as always. And so much fun. As I have said multiple times in this show, please, please, please give us feedback. Please, you know, all that stuff we talked about in the middle of the show. I really want to hear from you. TRB at realbrianshow.com or you can connect with me on social media. Well, you're probably already connected. So contact me there if you want. It's up to you, but I just want to hear the answers to those questions. And if you're like, well, I was driving. I totally forgot. <laughs> okay, go back and listen to them. I'm telling you again, please. We want to know how the show's impacted you. Has it? Yes or no. And if it has, share specific examples. If it hasn't, tell me why. And then share, what do you need? What do you need from the show? What would you rather see? us do what do you need more of what can we do better what can we do differently stuff like that and then again please consider supporting on patreon and uh, let's get engaged let's get engaged in social media and on slack and let's have some fun please i would love it oh my gosh you know what the music means oh yeah yeah well realbryanshow.com slash 181 is this episode's show notes so if you want to go there you can find all the links to patreon my email everything on there connect Hey, have a great week. That's right. We're coming in. Have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Be happy. Real Brian Show signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.